your work in us now, we pray, to your glory. Amen. So we've got the final sermon on um, Deuteronomy this morning, and that is from chapters 31 to 34. Never fear, I'm sure you've read them all already. And so I'm only going to read a section of these today. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take some, there's some real pearls here in this last section. And I'm going to highlight that for you. Try and make it as practical as I can in the application. And then we'll close off this study on God's Word. And so let's read God's Word together. We're going to read um, Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to read the first 22 verses. They kind of encapsulate what this last section is all about. So Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 1 to 22. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them and Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the feast of booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children, whom have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in the tent of meeting, that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. 
and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Now therefore, write the song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that the song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I, which I saw, swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know that they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give to them. So Moses wrote the song that same day and taught it to the people of Israel. The encouraging words, not for Moses. I've always had a real interest in space, and I've always thought if I could volunteer, put my hand up, jump up and down long enough, they would say, yes, you can come to the moon. But they didn't. And so I've had to look on DVDs and internet and everything and get my space craving there. But now the next journey is to Mars, right? That's where they've set their eyes. Um, NASA has said to their scientists that they want people on the moon in 2033. Oh, sorry, people on Mars in 2033. SpaceX, which is the private um, space company in America, has put a goal of 2025 there to send a manned spacecraft to Mars. Now, that's just not long from here. And so what they've been doing is they've been saying, well, if we are going to go to Mars, we must not make the same mistakes we did on Earth. And so we've got to set up protocols and laws and rules about ownership so that when we get there, we don't divide up Mars and then have wars again. And so they've been really working hard at setting up all these protocols because they want to learn from their mistakes of the past. But the problem is, what? We take our problems with us in our hearts. It doesn't matter where we go. And so despite all the protocols and everything that they're setting up, man is sinful. And he will take his sin with him and is going to just come there on Mars again. Now, I don't want to be a pessimist, but that's the reality of what will happen if we get there. And I believe we will get there. But you see, in a way, man is trying to undo the past by setting up a new Tower of Babel in front of him. Humanity is trying through humanism to say, this is who we are. This is the pinnacle of what we can do. Look at us. We are going to start again on a new planet. And we will build the new genesis there. Unfortunately, we take our problems with us. The people of Israel had been journeying through the desert for 40, well, 39 plus some years. And... They were now on the cusp of entering 
the land of Canaan. And so the book of Deuteronomy was given to them so that they would learn from their past 39 years. And God had given them in a very practical way, ways that they could learn from their past. But he wanted to teach them more than that. He wanted to teach them more than just learn from your past. There was a far greater lesson he wanted to teach them. He wanted to teach them and the nations around them and us who read it now so many years later. He wanted to teach them that he is a God of grace. Because even though they really tried to keep his laws, they would fail. But he wouldn't leave them in that state of sinfulness. He would show them grace and mercy because he's a God of grace. Yes, he's the judge, but he's a God of grace too. And so that is one of the overall lessons of Deuteronomy is, I am a God of grace. I, Yahweh, the all-powerful God of the armies, I am also the God who will show you mercy and grace. How do we know that? Just, just by the way God chose Israel right at the beginning. You see, they were a people who were not a people. They were just one of the tribes. And under Abraham, God met with Abraham and said, Your people will be a great nation. That is my promise to you. And he chose them not because of anything they had done, not their worthiness at all, but he chose them because of his unconditional love for them as a people. He is the God of grace. It's not about them. It's about Him. And we need to listen to that message today. It's not about us. It's not about our holiness. It's about God and His unconditional love to us and His grace. That is the big picture of the Christian message. God and His grace. It's about Him. And so as they stand on the cusp of entering this land, it lies before them. God says, you are an unworthy people. Even before I finish the sentence, you will be sinning. And I will be merciful to you. I'm going to give you the land. I will go ahead of you. I will conquer the land. And I will give it to you because I am a gracious God. It's not about you and your worthiness. You are unworthy. And yes, you're going to go through exile later. But it's going to be me and my grace. I will come and find you in your state of sinfulness. And I will show you grace and bring you back. To this land. It's about me. So what are some of the lessons we can do? And there are three main lessons that I want to just highlight. There are many lessons, but three main ones that I want to highlight for you. And here's the application right, right in the start. Fear God, not the enemy, says God to Joshua and the people. Fear God, not the enemy. And the word fear means revere God. Give him the honor due to him because he is almighty Yahweh God. Your God who has been faithful to you all these years. Fear him. Give him the honor due to his name. And don't fear the enemy. You haven't even conquered them yet. I'm going to do that, says the Lord. Chapter 31 verse 1 to 29. And he says this to Joshua. Joshua who had shown such great courage when they went to spy out the land. Joshua, who had seen that, yes, the, though the people are big, we can conquer them because God is on our side. The same Joshua. God now says to him in front of all the people through his servant Moses, be strong and courageous, Joshua. You will lead these people into the land. 
And yes, Joshua, you were an excellent soldier. And yes, you're a great spy. And yes, you're a strategic thinker. But Joshua, it's not about you. Fear the Lord your God and therefore be strong and courageous. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Therefore, Joshua, do not fear or be dismayed. Amazing words, though, eh? I'll just get this out the way quickly, all right? There are three people in the Bible who had no parents. Adam, Eve, and Joshua, the son of Nun. All right, I know because I've heard it. And I just want to get that out your mind so we can get on with serious stuff. So the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. I go before you. Do not fear or be dismayed. In other words, says the Lord to Joshua, trust in my word to you. I've said it, I will do it. Trust in my word. Joshua, fear God. Give me the reverence due to me, Joshua. And don't fear the enemy. In other words, your future lies before you, Joshua. Don't fear the future. I am there with you in that future. And there's our first lesson. You see, who knows what next year may bring? Who knows what may happen when we reach Mars? Do we need to fear the future if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? No, because our God is the God who stretches right across time. He's the unchangeable God. He always was, He always will be, and we can trust in Him. We do not need to fear the future, whatever it might bring. Who knows what lies ahead for us? I might be in a hospital next year. I don't know. I might have to have Gerard operating on me for some big thing. Who knows? Don't shake your head. The Lord says to me, don't fear, trust in me. Your body might go, but I've got your soul in my hands. And who can touch your soul? And I will take you through into eternity, into the future. And so there's our first lesson. Fear God, not the enemy. Be strong and courageous, the Lord is with us. And then there's a second lesson under this. God's presence was with them, and He showed it to them in a very tangible way. If you go and look at chapter 31, verses 14 to 15, this is what happens. The Lord says to Moses, get Joshua and meet me in the tent of meeting. And the Lord doesn't just meet them there and there's this invisible thing happening. No, the Lord comes in the form of a pillar of cloud. Now that's very relevant. And he meets with them in the temple, and the pillar of cloud stands outside the door. Why? What's the significance of the pillar of cloud? Anyone? One word. Egypt. Remember Egypt? God led them from Egypt. He delivered them. He was with them through those 40 years. And through that time, he was ahead of them as a, cloud of, uh, as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Yes, the Lord showed them, I am with you. So he says to, to, to Moses and Joshua, you meet me in the temple, in the tent of meeting. And there he was in a pillar of cloud so that they, humans, could see him. I am with you, says the Lord. And he was guarding the doorway too. Why? Because when they left that place, I will go with you. That's fantastic. You see, the Lord appeared to them so that they could visibly see Him. They were only human beings. 
in Psalm 121 verse 8 says this, The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. He's the unchangeable God and that promise still stands today. You might not see the Lord here in a pillar of cloud, but He's right here among us. And when we leave this place this, after, this morning, not this afternoon rather, this, when we leave this place later this morning, the Lord will go with us. And you won't see a pillar of cloud. That's just the lo- land of the long white cloud, all right? But the Lord goes with us. Why? Because He's in, in us. And He's with us. And He guards our way forevermore. doesn't matter what happens. And He will lead us through. And He will show us what to do. The Lord is with us. And therefore, fear the Lord. Give Him the reverence to you. And don't fear the future. Fantastic promises here. Let's get to another pool. Chapter 31, verse 32, 32, 52. Don't forget your God. Don't forget your God. Tell me, why do people desert God? Why do believers who know what Jesus Christ has done to them, why do they desert Him and go their own way? Why is it? Because they've either got an idol in their lives, and that idol is me, and what I want to do, and my rules, and I've taken my eyes off the Lord, or they become self-sufficient. I don't need God, because it's going well. And that's idol worship too. So it comes back to an idol. And that's the harsh reality. And we've all got family members we know. And friends we know who once used to claim that they were believers, and you could see it in their lives, but now they're walking far from the Lord. Why? Because they've fallen into sin because of those two things. Idol worship and self-sufficiency. They've taken their eyes off the Lord. And so what does the Lord do? He gives them two things to help them. Firstly, He gives them His law, which they were to read, and they had to get together every seven years, and they had to gather the men, the women, the children, the foreigners who were living amongst them, and they had to stay standing, and while they were standing, they had to read the whole of the book of Deuteronomy. You want to try that for one sermon? When David's preaching, he's usually longer than me, so. But they had to stand through the whole reading of this law to them, and that's not the worst, what they were hearing would be harsh on them. Because we've been through Deuteronomy, we know what it says. It keeps reminding them, I will be faithful, you will be unfaithful. And they had to keep hearing this. And it was to be a witness before God that they were unfaithful and He was faithful. So that's every seven years. Yippee, can't wait for the next seven And then the second thing they had was the Lord said to Moses, now I want you to go and write a chart buster. I want you to go and write a song which will jog their memories. And so what we've got is the song of Moses. And if you've done your homework and read, and I can't do it now, you'll have the record of that song. But what does it say? What is the content of that song? The song of Moses reminds them again, God is your rock, and we sang it this morning. He's your provider. He's the one you should be in, but you are a faithless people. You keep going away from the Lord. You keep doing your own thing. And they had to sing this Top of the Pops chart song to keep reminding themselves, yes, we're sinful people, but God is merciful. And that was to help them to come back to God. 
You see, the law and the law in song had to be witnesses before them and God that they were faithless, but God would be merciful. And so Moses had to write the song. Why did they need this memory jogger? Because God is the unchanging God. God can't excuse sin. Just because they were his people, he couldn't say, well, I'll for- I'm not going to look at it today. You just do what you need to do. He couldn't do that. Because he wouldn't be a just God. And so God had to remind them that he was the God who is judge. Look at chapter 32, verse 4. Chapter 32, verse 4. This is what it says. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. He can't excuse sin. That's why they need to be reminded. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. If he excused sin, he would no longer be just and upright. He would no longer be God. He can't be God. And so they had to be reminded that he's a just God. But here's the mercy. You always have judgment and mercy. Here's the mercy. Chapter 32, verse 9 to 10. Look at these beautiful verses. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever seen that verse? I must say, I've never seen that verse until I started studying Deuteronomy. The Lord's portion is his people. Wow. God is using the picture of an inheritance. All things belong to the Lord, all right? So it's not that. He's using the picture of an inheritance in the day of Israel. When your father died, the eldest son would get the double portion and then from there on it got divided up, right? But the Lord says, you are my double portion. You, my people, are my inheritance. That should do something for us as believers. When we get through those times where life's coming against us and it feels like nothing's going our way and all the world is against us, remember this, you are the Lord's inheritance. You are the apple of His eye. Yes, he had his apple of his eye, Israel, and they still have a special place in the heart of God. But all believers are the apple of the Lord's eye. They are special to him. They are his inheritance. You are the Lord's portion. That's a beautiful verse. Why? Look at verse 10 of chapter 32. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Isn't that what he did to Abraham? He found him, a lost little tribe, living in the desert, and he made him a nation. Israel, wandering around in the desert, he made him a nation. You and I, in the middle of the wilderness of life, God will encircle you. You are his inherited portion and the apple of his eye. What encouragement for us. Book of Deuteronomy, Old Testament. Isn't it fantastic? And then thirdly, here's the final point of application here. Have face time with God. Where do I get that from? I'll get it here from the Bible. I'll show you. So what were the last words from Moses? Here's this 120-year-old man. And by the way, he wasn't about to die because he was 120. Derek's turning 50, right? So he feels half old. But 
Moses was 120. Scripture tells us he didn't die because he was busy, he was old. It says, if you look at chapter 34, verse 7, he was 120 years old, but his eye was undimmed, he didn't need glasses, okay? And his vigor was unabated. He could still climb up and down mountains. So why did he die? Because God took him. It was his time. And he had sinned publicly before the Lord. He couldn't go over because God had said so. So he had to stop. God took him. But what else can we see here? Moses, before he dies, these are his last words. He said, remember who this is you are serving. It is the Lord. L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. God Almighty, God of the armies. It is Him you serve. These are my last words to you, Israel. Remember, it is the Lord you serve. Chapter 33, verses 2 to 3. Look at these beautiful words. This is how Moses saw the Lord, because he had actually seen this with his eyes. The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Yet he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. Ah, what beautiful words. This almighty God who comes from the flaming ones, who is the flaming one, he comes upon people, but he loves his people. And, and and Moses says to him, don't get used to a tame God. He's not a tame God. He is almighty God. He is Yahweh. God of the armies, remember it is the Lord you serve and revere him as Lord. And then what are more of his last words? We, we see here through what he does to Joshua that Moses understands what it means to be a spirit-filled leader. How do we know that? In chapter 34, verse 9, look at what happens. Chapter 34, verse 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. Now that's interesting. You see, it's Old Testament here. We know in the New Testament, when we become believers, the spirit is in us. And when we go, and go about God's work, he gives us a, spe a special dispensation of being open to the Spirit who is in us to do his work. We are enabled to do his work, right? But in the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people to do the tasks of God. And that's why David could cry something like, don't leave me, Lord. Don't, may, may your Spirit not depart from me. That's why a man like Saul, who sinned against God, the Spirit departed from Saul. All right? But in the New Testament, it's different. Here in the Old Testament, Moses understood the Spirit had come upon him, and so now he lays his hands by God's instructions on Joshua, and Joshua is Spirit-filled for the task he's about to go and do. Important. Moses understood that God has to lead us through the situation. And then lastly, under have face time with God. Here it is now. I told you I'd find it. Chapter 34, verse 10. Look at what it says. I'd love this to be the epitaph of my life. There had not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I love that. Moses spent time in the presence of the Lord. The Lord came and met with Moses. 
Remember when Moses was up the mountain? He came down that mountain, his face was shining. Why? He'd been in the presence of God's power and his holiness. He had spent time with God. You see, Moses knew that his power came from Almighty God, and so he had to spend time with God. But the beautiful thing is here, God knew him face to face. They spent time face to face. Where else do we get this? Adam, before he sinned, he spent time with the Lord. And they seemed to have spent time walking together in the garden in the cool of the day, spending face time. It's great. You know, you and I, we spend too much digital time to have face time with God. We really need to watch what happens with our phones and our devices. Because they come in the way between the relationship you and I have. And I'm not against technology, if you know me. But it has its place. And we must watch that it doesn't get too big in our lives. Spend face time with God. God and you alone with His Word, allowing His Spirit to speak to you. And for that, you need to switch off your devices and just listen to the Lord. Spend quiet time before Him. There's no time for quiet time anymore today. It's all too much of a noise and a rush. Have face time with God. So let's summarize, if we can, in a few minutes. Deuteronomy, so what? What do we do with this book? And there's so much more we could have said, and I'm sure you're grateful we're not doing it, but here we go. Firstly, obedience is possible today through Jesus Christ. Yes, it is possible to live a life which is holy through Jesus Christ. If you try and live a life without Jesus Christ, you will live a life which is completely unholy and unworthy of the Lord. You need to understand obedience is possible. Yes, we have the victory through Jesus Christ. He has kept the law perfectly. And because He is in us and we are in Him, we can keep the law perfectly because we can come to Him and ask for forgiveness when we fail. And He's already kept it perfectly. And God sees His Son before His eyes. We are in Him. And so we can keep His law perfectly through Christ. Look at chapter 32, verses 46 to 47. Chapter 32, verses 46 to 47. This is what he said to Israel. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today. Why? So that you may command them to your children and that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Why? For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. What's important about this? He's saying to them, this word is your very life. You need to spend time with the Lord. And not just that, pass it on to your children so that they can know how to learn before, live before the Lord. These are no empty words. These words are your very life. We need to take these words to heart and then once you know what God's word is to you don't compromise on it see that was Israel's biggest problem it was their compromise before the Lord they knew the right way but they compromised secondly what can we learn from Deuteronomy 
We need to have circumcised hearts. Chapter 30, verse 6. Chapter 30, verse 6. We need to have circumcised hearts. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. We can't do this on our own. Jesus Christ must bring the change in us. If you're trying to be a good Kiwi and a good Christian, but you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not a Christ follower. You are a self-follower. Christ must change the heart. He must circumcise your heart. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 says this. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And because Christ has lived a perfect life, because he was raised from the dead, he can now give us new life, and we have that life in and through Christ. We can't do it without him have circumcised hearts through Jesus Christ. Second last, it's all about grace in the end in Deuteronomy. You see, despite this and despite the exile, and you can go and read about that in chapter 30, despite the exile that they would be sent in as punishment for their sin, God still found them there and brought them back to the land. It's about His grace in the end. And in your and my life, Yes, despite the times that you fall flat on your face because of sin, despite the times you've tried and you fail and you get up and try again, it's not about that. If you come to the Lord and ask for, your, for forgiveness, it's about His grace in the end. The day the Lord reappears in glory, it's going to be about His grace to us. That's going to be the summary statement. I said I would, and here I am. His grace shown to people who are unworthy of Him. Isn't that really building up to us? And so you are God's portion. Remember that. You are God's portion. And when we live our lives today, remember, you are the apple of God's eye. He loves you. So come to Him when you fall flat in your face because of sin. He will forgive you. He loves you. And therefore... To quote from a famous movie, to infinity and beyond, with the Lord, literally, we start living eternity today. If you and I are believers here today, we've started living eternity today. For a little moment we're on this earth, the rest is going to be with the Lord. And so I don't feel bad that I can't get to Mars. I'm going to see Mars one day. I'm going to see many other planets too. Because with the Lord, who knows how far things can go. We're going to space travel. Why not? The Lord's made this great creation for us. Why would we not think big like that? To infinity and beyond with the Lord. Therefore, I don't need to fear the future. Why not? Here's his word to you and I this morning. And with these words I close. It is the Lord who goes before you. Whatever you may hear this week, whatever may come your way this week, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. 
Do not fear or be dismayed. He won't let you go. To infinity and beyond with the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for this great book in the Old Testament. And Lord, you try to teach your nation, Israel, all these lessons, and some of them got it. And for a long time, and maybe not such a long time, a lot of them try to live it. But Lord, they soon forgot and sinned before you. But you showed them grace. You showed them mercy. You forgave them their sins. And then they did it all over again. And Lord, we're not much different. Help us in our weakness, Lord. Thank you that we know that you are the God who is faithful. You are the Almighty One. You are the God who is filled with grace. You are grace itself. And you will forgive us when we come before you and ask for that forgiveness. You will cleanse us from sin. You will make us right with you. You've already made us right in Jesus Christ for all eternity. You love us. And thank you that we can therefore come with confidence to our almighty God who is our Father. And say, Lord, here I am again. Please forgive me. And you do. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are faithful, even though we are unworthy of that faithfulness. You are the God of grace. We are sinful creatures who need your grace every day. Thank you, God. And Lord, we pray now that as we go into this week, we would not just forget these words, but that we would go out with courage because of who is with us, God Almighty. We would face the future in any circumstance you put us in because you are right there with us in that circumstance. And you will go before us and prepare the way. Thank you for your promises to us. Amen.